When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shopping sustainably is easier said than done. The world is filled with very real, very bad news about the climate crisis and also a whole lot of misinformation and greenwashing about how we can help. Fortunately, it's not just you and me that feel overwhelmed about this. And even more fortunately, it's not just you and me who care about making a difference in this problem. So many of us truly believe that we can make a difference for the climate crisis and that changing our shopping habits can be a part of that. Even more fortunately, I guess one more layer of fortunateness, today's guest is helping all of us on that journey. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harvey. Today's guest is Laura Wittig, the co-founder and CEO of Brightly. Laura is no stranger to creating things on the World Wide Web. Prior to Brightly, she spent her career building, designing, and creating for companies like Adobe, Amazon, and Google. But her true calling came when she used her tech-savvy skills for good by solving global issues like climate change. From there, Brightly was born and... Now, Brightly is this incredible online community and content platform that puts the environment first, helping everyday consumers make shopping choices for the better of the planet. I have personally been a fan of Brightly for a long time. Brightly helps their community discover new sustainable brands picked authentically and organically by the Brightly team. They also work to educate shoppers on how to be sustainable through their podcast, Good Together, which offers 30-minute episodes with weekly actionable tips. In today's episode, I love getting to talk with Laura about the role of conscious consumerism in playing a role in in fighting back against the climate crisis, how we can make a small but real choice for the good of the earth every single day, and how anyone can free themselves from a seemingly endless cycle of consumption and waste. I also loved two more things we talked about. I just thought about this. One, I just love getting to talk with another founder who created essentially a a community platform and a media space that works towards good. It is so good to get to connect with other people who have done something that I have been working towards. And I think you'll hear that connection and I hope that you enjoy it too. The other thing that we talked about is just the idea that sometimes it's hard when you are one of the only people in your circle who care about making thoughtful choices in your everyday life for the environment. And Laura had some really good advice, I thought, on how you can bring, say, your parents or your friend into the fold and kind of not turn them off in the process. I just love this episode. I thought it was great. So without any further ado, let's just jump straight into my conversation with Laura. Laura. 
I'm just so excited to dive into the work that you're doing to, uh, I guess, fight back against maybe these heat waves through climate change uh, and sustainability. Uh, and I'd love to start off just by asking, in a world where so many people are fighting for sustainability, there are a lot of different ways to tackle this problem. And I think all of them are important and everybody has a role to play. It seems like you've specifically chosen to focus your mission around empowering conscious consumers. Why did you decide that this might be your central focus? That's such a good question. I love it. So you're totally right. There are so many different solutions and ways that we, you know, as human race can come together to fight back against things like climate change, um, against negative impacts to the world around us as we know it. But the reason why Brightly focuses on conscious consumerism is because I believe it's something that you can do every day that makes a difference when we add up billions of actions by individuals, and it can really empower you. So, you know, we definitely need to hold our governments accountable, right? Like our local, national, and international governments and NGOs, activism, all of those things have an awesome place. But when we think about stuff that we can accomplish in small steps um, and on a daily basis, conscious consumerism for me is the way to go. And I think it's often, you know, a question of curiosity as well, right? So a lot of people kind of come into the world of conscious consumerism simply by asking the question, well, where was this product made? Or what is this product made of? Maybe I'm not crazy about the chemicals that make up it. And so, you know, it starts with a spark of a question and then it kind of leads into, you know, maybe an overhauling of your entire life if you end up going down <laughs> that path. But really more realistically for most people, I think it leads to small decisions that make, you know, a big difference, such as Meatless Monday once a week or choosing to purchase organic uh, derived uh, laundry detergent, right? There's so many different things that we can do that, again, collectively add up to a lot of difference. I really like that mentality because, it's one of those things where it's hard to make a big like life change, big, huge decisions, but you can just slowly start implementing small changes here and there. And those truly add up. And I've also found that they're super contagious. You know, my yes. wife was way more sustainable than I was. And she started, you know, implementing things into her life. And then I liked those things. So I started leaning into it. And then I started eating less meat. And then she started eating less meat. And the same is kind of spread to our friends. I love that it is a very low stakes way to make a difference. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Like it's almost like a little bit of a hobby. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny. My husband all the time will be like, <laughs> he's huge into hobbies. That's his thing. And he's like, what's your hobby? In addition to running a company, which there's not a ton of room for a nope. lot of hobbies, but for me, it's totally conscious consumerism as well, right? Like it's discovering new brands. It's having those conversations with friends and family. It's figuring out how to have those conversations with friends and family and not freak them out or make them feel overly judged. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm originally from, from Dallas, Texas. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, whether we think about different regions of this country, of the world, don't necessarily live in areas where conscious consumerism or, or activities like recycling or, you know, giving back are day-to-day -day activities, right? We can kind of get really used to living in our bubbles. I'm on the West Coast now. And so when you think about having these conversations with friends and family, again, if you can lean back to that curiosity piece that I just talked about, so like, you know, maybe having an interesting conversation about like, 
why you chose to use this laundry detergent, for example, or you can like think about what gets them excited. Right. So like, you know, there's always that old <laughs> kind of stereotype of your dad being cheap. I know that's <laughs> terrible, but you know that we have all these memes. Right. And like, Maybe your dad used to yell at you for like not wearing a sweater in the house in the wintertime, right? And you'd complain, dad, like, uh, you know, turn up the heat. But your dad was kind of accidentally eco, as we like to call it <laughs> back then. <laughs> so maybe it's a frugality conversation, right? Maybe you can talk to your friends and family about how using the eco-friendly alternative actually is cheaper and lasts longer. So there's just so many ways we could talk about it. And I think Again, when we consider the small changes or sustainable swaps that we can do in everyday life, the more we make a difference and the more we don't get paralyzed, I feel like by, you know, climate anxiety, climate grief. I mean, we're, as we record this, we are faced with, you know, flooding um, from a hurricane that took, you know, um, you know, Louisiana and the South by surprise and went all the way up to New York. Uh, we're, we're facing continued wildfires over here on the West Coast in California. So, there's absolutely a lot going on that's negative in the world when we think of the climate. And so rather than getting paralyzed and kind of wanting to hide under the covers, which by the way, we all have those days. So please take that day if you need to, but we can, we can feel empowered by the actions that we take every day. And that's really why we do what we do at Brightly and why I decided to found the company. One thing that also comes to mind is at Good Good Good, we are always trying to drive from our good news stories to inspire action. And sometimes in the newspaper, we do this through a good, better, best situation where good is something that's low stakes and an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's like tweet this thing or research this thing or watch this video or, you know, buy this, like make this sustainable swap in your life. And the cool thing about this idea is that then the next thing, the better you know, maybe it takes a little bit more time. It takes a little bit more energy. And then the best, you know, probably takes a lot more time and a lot more energy. And I don't have an expectation in the world that anybody would jump into that third category right away. You've got to start with those small things. And those kind of give you the energy and the motivation and the excitement to keep on going and create bigger changes down the road too. So it's also a great on-ramp to the other action steps that people can take. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I love that you have that. We talk a lot about actionable steps at Brightly too. Um, in our community, you know, of millions of people who are now um, interested in what Brightly has to say and what, you know, other people like them have to say, because we are very community focused, is also so super excited about understanding, yes, you're right. These are kind of stepped changes we can all make together. So I love that Good 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 does that as well. On a personal level, when do you feel like you first started to care about sustainability, and maybe even specifically, you know, that conscious consumerism hobby? Absolutely. I mean, I'd say even as a child, or at least like in junior high, I was trying to get my mom to go to like the only Whole Foods in the entire uh, city. <laughs> because I've always been kind of for better or for worse, very curious, um, borderline sometimes obsessive about the chemicals I think that go into daily things that we put on our bodies. Um, I was always really interested in the cleaning part of it. You know, like everybody used to see like bleach is best type of thing. And you're kind of like, is it really that necessary to be using like kind of toxic chemicals around the house? Like I've always been interested from that perspective, but fast forward to, um, you know, my first real job, if you will, out of college was at Amazon actually here in Seattle. And um, my husband and I were high school sweethearts <laughs> and he went into the Navy. And so he actually was a submarine officer and we were stationed out here, um, you know, close to Seattle. And I thought to myself, 
I love shopping. I love being online. This is kind of relative early days in the internet. Not that old, but relatively (laughs) early days. And I said, I'm going to go work for Amazon. So I actually ended up uh, working in their fashion area, specifically focused on email marketing and marketing in general. And I was judged there based on how many shoes and handbags I could sell. I actually ended up running the best uh, marketing program in in the company at the time in terms of conversion. I was really good at it. And you know, I was in my early 20s. This was something that was really exciting from a career growth perspective. But I started to notice that I myself was acquiring so many cheaply made shoes and handbags and outfits. Um, like my coworkers and I would like find deals. So we'd all get the same thing. And it was just kind of like this system where I found my closet overflowing. Um, I also sat in front of the fashion editor's closet and I would get headaches from, if you've ever opened a new product that comes from, you know, that's made of a lot of like kind of noxious plastics, yeah. you'll smell it. Um, and so she had just like this big closet full of all these like brand new plasticky PVC shoes and handbags. And so I actually was getting headaches from sort of those off-gassing, um, you know, activities. And I didn't realize that at the time. I thought I was just stressed out, right? It's first job, got a lot going on. But, um, you know, so that's kind of what made me stop and think, whoa, wait a second. Not only am I myself contributing to a cycle of waste when we think about purchasing things, that's not making me happy and it's costing me money and the system's not great. But then I also thought about like what I was doing with other people, right? Like kind of feeding into this cycle of purchase, purchase all the time. And so I myself took a step back and said, I'm going to actually be, I'm going to go the other way and be minimalist. So I did a capsule wardrobe, uh, which is if you haven't heard of a capsule wardrobe listeners, I highly recommend checking one out. It's just a system where you create, you you pick a few pieces each season and you can create a bunch of outfits out of it. It's amazing. Um, And I found myself very freed from the concept of endless consumption and waste. So that's kind of when I found myself really interested in the power of an individual to create change through buying things or through not buying things even. And so I kind of had the idea for Brightly then, um, you know, being that I was at Amazon, of course, I was also very in tune to shopping and and things of that nature. But I also was really interested in uh, continuing my career in tech. So I then went on to lead social impact search initiatives at Google, which was quite a different um, experience, but I got to work with crisis hotline operators around the cool. world and get to connect them to, to people who were in need of help, which that actually showed me the impact of tech and social good, right? Like how technology and using these collective ideas that we all have in a creative fashion, how that can really help change a world in a scalable way. And so this is kind of when I thought, okay, there's definitely something to conscious consumerism. I didn't call it that at the time, but that's what we're kind of talking about. And there's definitely something to running a tech company, like a large scalable business around that. And so, you know, a lot of people sometimes ask like, why Brightly or other similar organizations to us aren't nonprofits. And for me, you know, again, using a profit-based business to, you know, have Wall Street sit up and listen, right? (laughs) (laughs) To have a business that's scalable and reaching as many people as possible. I think that's also really exciting. So anyway, I could talk about this all day long, but hopefully that gives you you and the audience a little bit of a preview as to kind of how I got started. Yes, this is super helpful. And I do love that it came from this personal standpoint of like, oh, this is interesting to me. But you also had this career where you could see this from a different perspective. And I think everybody has that to some degree. They've got things that they notice or that they care about in the world. And then because of you know their 
background or their friends or the conversations they've had or their workplace, whatever it is, they're able to see it from a different perspective than others. And then what I'm curious about is what did that gap between noticing that there was a problem and that it was also you know, not a, a personal problem, but maybe a systemic problem that needed a scaled solution. What was the gap between like noticing that and then deciding, oh, I should be the person to create that scaled solution? Because I was in Silicon Valley, I was very much a part of startup and founder culture. I loved it. I had the chance to go to talks at this, uh, you know, place called Y Combinator. If, if you're familiar yes. with tech, it's kind of the the holy grail. So I, because I was um, interested in the space, I had the chance to really plug into it. And so I saw peers and around me starting companies. I was part of this kind of hustle culture and it was really interesting to me, but I was also a product manager in my day job and, you know, product managers in Silicon Valley are responsible for, well, they're basically mini CEOs of different features that you would see in tech, right? So if you're a Gmail user, for instance, at Google, um, there's a few product managers that are in charge of Gmail, right, as part of this bigger company. And so in my experience in that role, I got to really, again, act as a CEO. I got to figure out how to talk to customers. I got to figure out how to build products. Um, I myself do come from a, a bit of a technical background, so I do know how to code and design. So I was kind of like back here t- tinkering, if you will. And for me, one thing that really stuck out as a differentiator and is something that now you know we see left and right, like I think Brightly was pretty new with this idea. We see some competitors talking about this left and right, but that's okay. I want it to be talked about, which is talking about sustainability and eco-friendly living from a non-judgmental, positive perspective. Yes. Very similar to what you do at Good, Good, Good. And as I was doing some competitive research and looking at other people who were other companies in the space who are, you know, for instance, launching an eco-friendly product marketplace, I felt like a lot of the messaging around the call to action was negative, right? It was like, the world needs you, um, it's burning, help, you know, or you're eating meat, you're terrible, but come join us and eat this meat alternative, right? Yeah, like it's it kind was, of gatekeeper too. Exactly. And even the people that I think would put themselves in the bucket as being even more eco-friendly, they were getting piled on from other people if they made a mistake. And so I felt like there was a lot of negativity in the space. So at Brightly, we like to talk about this from a very realistic perspective, like we, like you and I were just chatting about earlier, right? Like in addition to showing up and helping you solve problems through your purchasing decisions or through your research, um, we like to do it just from a non-judgmental space. And we also apply that logic to companies too. Because I mentioned earlier, I really believe in the power of companies, small and large, to create change, specifically when we think about the society that we operate in right now in the US, right? The capitalist society. And so if you can get somebody like a Walmart to launch a fair trade denim line, which they're in the process of doing, like think about the reach of that rather than, you know, a small mom and pop shop, which we love, but like the amount of resource it would it would take for that small company to reach the amount of people that Walmart does on a daily basis. Like it, it's just, it's almost impossible, right? So I like to think about applying that same not overly judgmental thought to these bigger companies. Now, can a Walmart can a um, you know an Amazon or companies like that? Can they make a difference and, and do better? Of course they can, and I think 
the more you're curious and the more we all continue to support, you know, fair trade coffee when we go to Walmart, for instance, the better. But I've always thought about like, yeah, again, this scalable question, because to me, that's what's really going to impact people in a meaningful, large way and in a fast way, because you and I both know we're kind of running out of time, right? Like we've got to get it together. (laughs) So let's figure out a way to get it together and do it in a positive way, right? I love that. And I'm always holding that tension with like these big brands where I'm like, I will absolutely celebrate when Amazon does something good. But I also want to make sure that I'm not letting them just pretend that that good thing is enough or that it's everything or that it's that it's coming from the goodness of their hearts, you know? Yeah. Because so many of these, I mean, all of these companies are profit motivated and that's the opportunity is if we can change the demand, then it, it changes how they have to operate. And we get such a cool opportunity to, you know, scale up, you know, positive, like sustainable brands because Walmart puts in a big order because more people want it and Walmart wants to make more money. Like that's great. And then that removes shelf space from something that's less sustainable or less ethically made. Exactly. It's what the, it's the old fashioned term. They say money talks, right? Like that's really what gets people to sit up and pay attention uh, regardless of where you are. Right. So the more that we can make these companies, some, you know, stand up and listen, the better. And like I said, uh, we actually do a, and I'm sure I, I think um, Good 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 does this as well. But like we do a series where we we highlight what companies are doing in the space on a recurring basis. And so for me, it's really cool to be able to see what's going on there. We also occasionally will rank companies on sustainability related criteria. We just did one about coffee chains. I just saw your coffee one. Yes. Yeah. So, so good. That was really interesting too. Like we took um, a few coffee chains that we we thought our audience goes to on a, on a daily basis and we ranked them according to, you know, whether or not they had reusable cups available, whether or not they had fair trade or organic coffee available. So we kind of did it from a Brightly perspective. Of course, you can do it from a very like data intense um you know, critical analysis perspective, but we like to think about it more about what are people actually benefiting from and seeing on a daily basis. So again, the more we can have more information, the better. So we're, we're we love it around Brightly. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Sounds Good is supported by Moon March. Moon March is the agency that partners with causes, campaigns, and companies to create a better future. And as you know, I got the chance to work with Moon March on the process of building Good Good Good's new website. And I had the best experience in the world. I think I can speak for the entire Good 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 team when I say that Moon March was an incredible creative partner because. I think many agencies just kind of tell you to trust the process and there really isn't a process, but Moon March had an incredible process and really a journey that they took us through. They didn't just, you know, say, hey, okay, cool. We'll we'll build you a website. You need a website. No, they took us from why do you want to build a website? How do you want to serve your community? How can this platform fulfill X, Y, and Z roles in your mission to help the world feel more hopeful and help people do more good. And they guided us through that journey. And I I didn't just come away with a new website for Good Good Good. I came away feeling more hopeful about our mission. I came away feeling like we have better tools to support our community. It's such an exciting 
thing. And, you know, of course, I'm not surprised at all because Moon March has an incredible team that they work with. Their team you know, before creating Moon March had experience working with brands like Nike, Disney, Pfizer, Puma, and Google. And I would truly recommend them to anybody. If you are a brave soul running a company, cause, or campaign that dares to rethink cultural establishments, Moon March is here to ensure your story earns the participation it deserves. You can learn more about Moon March, explore their past work, and get in touch at moonmarch.com. And of course, if that's not you, if you're not creating a company, cause, or campaign that's making a difference in the world right now, maybe just send this to somebody who is. One more time, that's moonmarch.com. Moon, M-A-R-C-H.com. Sounds Good is sponsored by the podcast Breaking Glass. Let's talk about womanhood around the world. Despite making up over half of the global population, women control less wealth, own less land, hold fewer public offices, and shoulder more domestic burdens. But in every corner of every country, there are individuals with enough gumption to break the system and bend the rules. And the Breaking Glass podcast shares the stories of those glass breakers. They celebrate these voices that are reimagining a new narrative for women everywhere. And let me tell you, I love this podcast. I think that you will too. This is what their most recent episode is about. They hosted their guest, Dr. Faith Wangi Powell, who grew up in rural Kenya with two parents who were deeply committed to her education and went on to become the CEO of a nonprofit called Girls Not Brides, which is essentially a network of global organizations working to end child marriage. And in this episode, she talks about child marriage and tradition and rape. And somehow these heavy topics feel light and digestible and just so valuable. Like I feel so grateful to get to learn from guests like Dr. Mwangi Powell and just, you know, the incredible hosts of the show. You should absolutely check out this episode and every episode of Breaking Glass by visiting breakingglasspodcast.com slash good or by searching for Breaking Glass wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. One more time, that is breakingglasspodcast.com slash good or search for Breaking Glass. Maybe we should jump into the very beginning of Brightly. Like when you founded it, what was your first goal? Because I know that, you know, companies evolve over time. Uh, good, good, good. I would have never guessed from day one where it would be today. You know, what was your hope in the very beginning of Brightly? And what were those first actionable steps you took to bring this to other people? Yeah. So my hope was always that my hypothesis around having a judgment-free space and one that, you know, really allowed people to apply grace to themselves and other people as they went through their eco-friendly journeys was going to resonate with people. And so for us, a really good way to test this out was actually to create a podcast. And so we also have a podcast. It's called Good Together. And it's great. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. 
<laughs> um, so we launched that in July of 2019. And that was actually my co-founder, Lisa, and I were still full-time at our other jobs, our day jobs. Um, but it was a good way for us to like test this. And I'm a big fan. If you're looking to be an entrepreneur and start a company, think about the easiest, cheapest, fastest way you can test your idea before you plow a bunch of time and money into it, because it's going to save you a ton of stress. Um, and it's going to give you some like indicators as to if it's going to work. So like if you're going to make a, uh, a physical product, you can start a wait list. Like there's all sorts of things that you can do. So anyway, for us, it was a podcast. And so started out in July of 2019. My brother actually went to school for audio editing in um, <laughs> in uh, college. So he was like editing the podcast for us. It was a... <laughs> Use what you have. That's perfect. There you go. It was a very DIY uh, approach. So that was in July. By the time we got in November, Apple had picked us up as a podcast that they really loved and wanted to promote to their audience. And so that was so exciting. Like I remember sitting at my desk, I was working at Adobe at the time and that team was amazing. They were so supportive of me. And I remember just like getting the notification from Apple that they had featured us. And I was at my desk, like refreshing, seeing all these downloads come in and like, oh my God, what's happening? So it was really exciting. And that continued to happen. So Apple had that feature up for a while. Our downloads and our influence continued to grow. We started getting more followers. And so for me, that was a really good indicator that people really were responding well to what we were doing. So we actually made the decision, my co-founder and I did, to quit our full-time jobs in February of 2020 of last year. Terrifying. <laughs> that, well, I'll, I'll tell you. So literally um, Snapchat or Snap Inc., as they're called now, um, has an accelerator program called Yellow. And that's for companies that are kind of at the intersection of media, community commerce, really similar to what Brightly was trying to do. And so accelerator programs, if you're not familiar, are ways to kind of incubate new businesses. So typically, um, the accelerator will give you a, a small amount of money to kind of get the company started, start to make money, et cetera. So we actually got accepted into that program with Snapchat, which was awesome. And that was like, okay we're going to be able to take this small amount of money and pay ourselves a tiny amount of money <laughs> um, for a few months. We're going to be able to get the company off the ground. And we got into that in December. And so this is kind of when COVID was just rumbling, rumbling. And February came and it was the very beginning of February. And so I had already set the wheels in motion, quit the job, moved to Santa Monica temporarily where we're snaps located. And gosh, we were only there for a few weeks and then everything shut down because of COVID. So it was, it was a really unfortunate time to be risky in terms of career decisions. But, um, you know, Lisa and I just kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, like we believe really strongly in this, we're going to figure out a way to make it work. Uh, so we really doubled down on our offering that is brightly today, right? Like we have, all sorts of amazing, um, you know, sort of media components to what we do. We, we we partner with brands who we know and love. And so we really just leaned into it and we were like, you know, failure for us is not an option, right? It's not an option for us personally, but it's also not an option for the planet. So we were like, we're going to figure out how to make this work. So we did. And it's, it, you know, we've been growing ever since. Like I mentioned, we, we now reach over 2 million people a day that is growing by the day. So for us, it's just, it's been a long ride. It's been bumpy, totally. I mean, the pandemic threw us for many loops, you know, we're female founders and we, we did raise um, a small investment round and that was difficult. Like not very much <laughs> venture capital goes to women. So we've had a lot of things I think thrown our way, but 
the fact that we've been able to continue to do this and stay positive and stay motivated is entirely back to the fact that we believe truly in what we're doing and the power that it, it unleashes on behalf of the planet. I I just think what you're doing is so important and so exciting. And I hope it's appropriate for me to, to celebrate this fact. Uh, you guys have raised over a million dollars, I believe, for Brightly. And while, yes, you guys need you know, a lot more money. That's super exciting because from my experience, at least environmentally conscious brands that are focused on community that are women founded are not necessarily the top of the list for investment, but they should be. And so I'm really glad to see that you've had progress on that. And now that you're getting a lot of attention well-deserved for it. And I'm hopeful that all of the investors who said no will be regretting their decision very shortly. (laughs) Thank you so much. And yes, I did say small. And of course, a million dollars to most is not small. I, of course, I'm in this, you know, sort of hamster wheel of Silicon Valley seeing this craziness going on left and right. But um, thank you so much for saying that. And I think, you know, for us, and I actually just gave, um, there's an interesting podcast I just did specifically about fundraising with a company called Carta. Um, so definitely check out that if you're interested in more of our fundraising journey. But, um, you know, in general, I think talking to investors is, was so similar to the way we talk to our community and to people who are, you know, kind of doubters of what we're doing, right? So my whole thought was like, I need to convince people to come on this journey with us. And if I can't do it in the first, I don't pick it five minutes, they're probably not our people, right? Like they're, they're, they probably don't get it. And so I think that's one thing that can be applied kind of across the board, which is we have people all the time, for instance, that might be really hardcore plant focused in their diet. And that's great. Good for them. I love that they've got that passion in their life. But if we post about something that is about, you know, um, you know, maybe a, a meat recipe with some chicken that was locally, you know, locally grown and, and produced, Right they might get really upset about that, those people. And they might come and they might leave some really negative comments on our Instagram and and, and ask us, why on earth? How, how could you do this brightly? Like, what's the matter with you? Um, I feel the same way about talking to people who don't understand what we're doing from an investment perspective. So, you know, like we as a company have taken a stance of, we understand that we have a broad reach and we want to continue to broaden that. However, um, there are always going to be people who don't agree with what we're doing and we're okay with that, right? Like they'll come along eventually, right? Or, you know, they can also go live their their happy life <laughs> in, in another way. But I think having that perspective, of course, was not one that I always have when I had investing conversations. Of course, I was nervous as heck. Um, it, they are really difficult to go through. You get so much rejection. It can be very mentally taxing. But I think the second I had that mindset shift of being like, you know what, if they don't get it pretty quickly, they're never going to get it. Oh gosh, it was so freeing because I wasn't able, I didn't focus on the negative, right? (laughs) I think that's so encouraging because I think about that all the time with Good, Good, Good. We have gained a lot of followers recently and the reality is not all of those people are our people or at least not yet. Yes, And our goal is to serve a particular group of people and help them feel more hopeful and do more good. And if we are serving our community and some people outside of that community don't love what we're doing, then we've got two options. We can either you know, help them join our community or we can say, I'm sorry, there's probably a different community that's helping you, that can help you with what you need. And we're always here if things change. And that is just so freeing. And honestly, I think... 
I was just talking about this with a founder of another like kind of social good company last week. And they were just talking about how disheartening it's been to kind of face some rejection and especially cynicism. The cynicism is, I think, one of the hardest parts. And she is having that exact same experience of recognizing, oh, my job isn't to please that person. Like I get to choose who I pay attention to and who gets a say in my life. And yeah, it is such a breath of fresh air when you can do that. And not like, you know, it's like flipping a light switch and now I'm forever good. I have to continually remind myself of that. But it's so good to hear that you're on the same page with that. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, we are now in a culture of, you know, a lot of very passionate people who are trying to kind of put their opinions on everyone else, right? And if you don't agree with them, then there's, you know, a lot of kerfuffle, (laughs) you know, a lot of, um, you know, interesting conversations that happen. And so if you as an individual or even as a company allow every single troll or hater (laughs) to influence your your life or your strategy, you're never going to be able to stand for anything. And so I absolutely believe in having an open mind and and saving space for conversations with folks that are outside of your community bubble. We all need to do that. We all, of course, need to do better at that too. But we do also need to realize that you can never be everything to everyone. So just having that mantra, I think, can be really helpful. But, you know, it's not easy, right? Like our team, one of our sort of secret sauces, I think, at Brightly is we have these discussions and debates all the time internally before anything that we post goes live. And so they're not easy conversations. Um, they, we debate, um, it, it really reminds me of the old school newsrooms, which you kind of wish they'd do that now <laughs> <laughs> instead of focus on clickbait. But that's another conversation. But I think, you know, I actually went to school for journalism um, and I am, have a writer's heart and, you know, really love that at the core of my being. But I think a lot about critical thinking. I think a lot about debate that I think is missing in, in the country, in the world today. So it's not easy. We're not going to be perfect, um, but we'll figure it out along the way. As you kind of look forward in the next few years, and especially just in terms of what's happening to the planet, what are your hopes for Brightly? And what are your hopes for your community and how they can you know, meet this very unique and challenging moment? So from a Brightly perspective, I want us to continue to be at the forefront of conscious consumerism. So we see ourselves in the business of helping people solve problems in that space. And as we grow and scale as a company, we'll probably be more of that shopping portal for you, right? So we probably will offer more of those products to you. You're still going to get that same Brightly care and love um, into the space, but we're going to do it in a different way, right? Like we're going to think about, you know, let's do away with this fast two-day shipping that's causing insane carbon emissions everywhere. Like let's let's get consumers to kind of rethink the way that we've been trained to operate from an e-commerce perspective. So that's kind of a big ask, but I believe really strongly when we think about the waste and the impact that that's having on the planet. We also want to continue to show up and be educational and useful and in service to our community, right? So, you know, having these conversations like which is the most eco-friendly coffee chain or thinking about how we can push people to shop more responsibly during the holiday season. Like we're really interested in, in continuing those conversations. And I would say from a community perspective, I would just love to have it grow. And it's not because I'm trying to be this like greedy, like, haha, I have a community of billions of people. I just want people to be more critical thinkers and, you know, again, conscious consumers on behalf of the planet. Like I want people to show up and say, you know what, 
why do I have to get all these random presents for my family every holiday? Like, why don't I create a wish list <laughs> so that like I actually get what I want and I don't have to go return stuff to the store in January because unfortunately a lot of our returns don't end up where we think they do. They end up, you know, in a landfill, they end up like not back on the shelf. Like there's just so many misconceptions that we have as a consumer, whether it's that or recycling or the more that we learn, the more that we can try and adopt different behaviors. And so that's my greatest hope. And then, you know, I hope that our, our community continues to come back to Brightly, continues to come back to places like Good, Good, Good for more of this information, because, you know, it's the old phrase, like knowledge is power. And I think as we become more educated as a consumer base, I think the planet's just going to continue to benefit positively. I am 100% with you. And in terms of uh, you mentioning wanting to grow and to reach a lot more people. You know, if you believe that what you're doing actually helps people, like you would want to shout it from the rooftops. And I'm really glad you are because Brightly has been really helpful for me and of course, so many other people. As we kind of close out this conversation, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, this idea of like helping kind of change some of the ways that our friends or family think about sustainable living and conscious consumerism. And I'm wondering if you have a a closing encouragement or piece of advice for people who are maybe struggling to do that in a tactful and helpful way. You know, what's the best way to make sure that, you know, environmentalism doesn't just stop with us, but it continues to impact the people around us? Yes. So my main tip for this is show up in the way that that person responds the best to so if your friend is really into fashion and she is obsessed with going to fast fashion, like Zara, H&M, Pickett, um, and you know she's kind of used to this throwaway cycle, if you will, rather than going to her and saying, H&M is terrible, they have bad wages, they're really not good to their workers, blah, blah, blah. And like going on from that perspective, it's important that we know this, right? But your friend, because she loves that company so much, might not really respond well to that. She's going to feel like you're attacking her personally. One thing that you can do is showcase an awesome outfit that you just put together from a thrifting app, right? Or from going to the thrift store and saying like, look, I look awesome. Um, so you can too. You can thrift this outfit and you can do it in a way that's better for the planet. And it's going to probably going to be cheaper mm. for you too, right? Like it's find whatever that is, or, or maybe you're going to get a unique look that no one else can get, right? Like everybody else is in this um, fast fashion look and they're all, they all look the same. But if you want to have a look that's similar, but unique, then you can go thrifting, right? So just like that's one example, right? You can think about, like we talked about earlier, frugality. When you talk about uh, things with your parents, um, a lot of, um, you know, our parents are boomers. And I, th I think a lot of boomers care a lot about local businesses. Um, and so thinking about their neighborhoods and the impact that they have locally. So just thinking about whatever way your friends or family show up from a passion perspective, you can then tailor your message that way. And also like be vulnerable. Say like, Hey, I know I just told you about all this thrifting stuff that I do, but hey, I actually like to go to H&M myself too every once in a while. And like just letting them know that you're not this like perfect person too yeah. and that we're all on this journey together because that was one thing when I started this company. Like I did not want to start a company where I felt like 
if I was sight, uh, you know, spotted in a grocery store <laughs> that wasn't a hundred percent organic, like let's pretend there's like a paparazzi and they like took a picture and they're like, look, she's the, the CEO of this eco-friendly company and she's shopping for something that's terrible for the environment. Like I never wanted to be in a situation where number one, hopefully I don't ever have paparazzi. That's terrible. But, <laughs> but number two, like I would not want my community to feel disappointed in me if they saw me doing something like that. Right. Like I'd want my community to be like, well, she probably tried to find it in a better way, but she couldn't, you know, or she's, you know, who knows there's an emergency. She's got to go pick up an extra outfit or something. Um, so I think, you know, I just wanted to not live with that kind of anxiety over myself. And I would never want that for my community members. So that's, I guess, another piece too. That's Laura Whitting, CEO and co-founder of Brightly. You can find out more about their incredible work by heading over to their website. It's brightly.eco. Yes, it's like .eco. Very cute, very fun. And you can also listen to their podcast about how to be a conscious consumer. It's called Good Together. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow Laura on social media at Laura Lex Wit. She's on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you know, follow Brightly on social media. Oh my goodness. I love their TikTok so much. I told Laura after the show, I was like, please tell whoever runs your TikTok that she is amazing. And I love everything she creates. Uh, (laughs) This podcast was created by Good 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 at Good Good Good. We help you feel more hopeful and do more good. You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good newspaper, or online at our all-new website, goodgoodgood.co. This episode is created by Sarah Lee, Megan Burns, and me, Brandon Harvey. It was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. Make sure to hit the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get a new episode of Sounds Good delivered straight to your phone or your computer or tablet or whatever you do, your Apple Watch, I don't know, every Monday while you sleep. If you have a favorite episode of the show, if you love this episode, share it on your Instagram stories. Just go to Spotify, hit that little share button. It makes that cute little pop-up preview. And of course, you can also view the full episode show notes and an entire transcript of this podcast at goodgoodgood.co slash podcast. And with that, that is a wrap of this week's episode. Go out and find one way to make environmentalism more inviting for someone in your life. And we'll be back next week with more good news and good action. Sound good?